RV Renovation Nation. Welcome to the New Look RV Renovation Podcast. Where we want to empower and entertain RV renovators with relevant information, ideas, and stories. We're your hosts. I'm April. And I'm Derek. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and find us on YouTube. On this episode, we sit down and talk with Carrie and David of Revamping Camping. Before launching their RV renovation business, both of these guys worked at an RV dealership. So they have an extensive base of knowledge and experience on servicing and maintaining RVs that most renovators do not. And this is important stuff for anybody with an RV, and it's a great reminder to all of us renovators that it isn't just the pretty stuff that matters. They cover some great tips on inspecting an RV before purchase. And they also talk about the ways that you should be maintaining your RV and discuss some great upgrades they've made in their renovations. Like a tankless water heater. Ooh, I need one of those. So get ready to learn because these guys are full of knowledge. Well, welcome David and Carrie from Revamping Camping to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, we're excited. And where are you guys at, just to to let everybody know? We're in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is just about 30 minutes south of Nashville. Can you explain, you know, what is revamping camping? What do you guys do? Well, we renovate campers. Um, We have been renting campers as well, although we decided last fall to sell the two that we had renovated to rent out. Um, And then we were going to buy two smaller ones in the spring. So hopefully we wouldn't have to deliver as much. Um, Last year, we ended up delivering constantly and it would take two days out of our week. By the time you drive two hours to a campground, set it up two hours back home, you know, the cleaning process took forever. And so we were hoping, well, maybe if we buy smaller, like little minis, 22 foot campers, you know, then people with SUVs could, could carry them. Um, that was kind of the plan. Um, we also do winterizations. He does service calls for people. (laughs) And so have you guys found these 22 foot campers yet? Like the smaller ones that you want to use? Well, we've, we found some, um, but our, our trip to Key Largo to work for that oh, yeah. two to three weeks kind of put our schedule off. And then the client contacted us while we were there saying, hey, I'm selling my house in a month. I want you to renovate a camper for us. So I said, okay, well, we'll put the Salem, which we had already started, you know, we'd put it on hold to go to Keys. And so then we put it on hold to do this client. And so then we had another client reach out to us and they had their camper shipped to us and we have to do it when we finish with the silverback. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys are busy. Uh, it happened really quickly yeah. and it, I mean, it's probably good for us because it's lined up work in advance and we're not as stressed about making sure that we have something done. We have it waiting for us. Right. So, yeah. And I'll, personally, I like the renovation process better than the rental process. So so it works out. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. And we know you guys both have a backstory of working in the RV industry previous to revamping camping. Can you guys kind of touch on that? Growing up, I didn't go camping. My parents didn't really want anything to do with it. We had a farm which kind of tied us down because of the animals. And so they didn't like going on trips. Once I started dating her, her parents, you know, took us camping. We went with her siblings. I mean, we started going places and we started out tent camping a lot. Uh, Her parents had a camper, but we were in a tent and it kind of opened my eyes to, oh, wow, this is really fun. I enjoy this. I love being outside. So it was kind of something that I, I fell in love with immediately. And eventually we did get a camper, but to get into the business side, 
that, that was a lot later. Uh, we have some friends that owned a dealership and I was at a job that I was content with. I wasn't looking for a job and I suddenly had several job offers just pop up and I had told my friend that I was considering them. I was like, it's kind of intriguing to have these options. And he said, well, if you're going to be changing jobs, let me throw this into the ring here for you as an option. Eventually I came around to it and I took the leap. And so I started out working at Candy's Campers as a service tech and predominantly when I first started, I was doing PDIs, which are pre-delivery inspections. So when they would get new units in from the factory, they had to be gone through, make sure everything works, find any problems initially and fix them before a customer bought it. So that really helped me get familiar with how everything on a camper works. And in between those, I was working on problems that customers were bringing their campers in. They had a couple of other techs that taught me a lot. And so I was kind of learning on the go. And then after a year there, uh, he promoted me to service manager because he, he just had a lot of issues with how the shop was being run. Uh, he needed somebody he could trust. And I had experiences, a supervisor in my previous job. They had campers all over the lot that they didn't even know who belonged to. The filing system was literally just cabinets where they just threw paperwork into. And it was in no particular order. They didn't have a clue where money was going in or coming out. So it was it was a complete mess. And that's where I came in. I so. was completely <laughs> overwhelmed. So I said, well, let me just come in a couple of days a week, you know, and start helping out and ended up doing warranty, ended up learning how to do parts. And then um, there was no service writer at that time either. So I kind of became the service writer created a color-coded file system for all the customer files and like all these guidelines on this is how this process should work um it ended up being there three and a half years <laughs> sounds like you were their savior absolutely <laughs> i wouldn't have been able to survive without her it, it was what a find for your buddy <laughs> <laughs> that's true ultimately they wanted to eventually work it up to where they could sell it and so that was kind of in the back of our mind the whole time. We knew that was a potential possibility. The October before COVID hit, they sold to Family RV. And we had mixed feelings because we loved working for them. They were wonderful bosses to us. And our friendship is still wonderful. So everything came out good there. But then when you know COVID hit, everything changed. First, we were furloughed when COVID hit. And then about what, three or four weeks after that, then they just laid us off. And I think they only had like three employees at that time. And then when it ramped back up, of course, the camping industry, you know, what probably May or whatever started ramping back up, then they had switched over to the more sales oriented. And um, at that point, we were already doing our own thing. So we had already decided, hey, even if they want us back, I don't think that we're going to (laughs) go. I hadn't planned to do it long term and she kind of had to convince me let's take this leap together let's let's do this and you know i'm really glad she did and she has more long-term vision with things like that than i do makes a a good team (laughs) (laughs) no and that's important to to have one another and you know to to be able to navigate also just just a relationship while working 
you know, working together is never an easy task. So you work together in more of a company setting prior to that. And now you're working together as entrepreneurs. Have you found differences or a contrast there in those, those two instances? Well, it's funny because initially we kind of had our own workspaces and then they remodeled the offices at the dealership and she ended up moving into my office. So we worked very close together. It was a little 10 by 10 like closet and his desk wow. was on my side and mine was on the I other side. I wasn't sure our marriage was going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> but we still enjoyed working together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we could get past that. And at the end of the day, we had a rule, you know, we're not talking about work. And I think that was very healthy for our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did have to make rule. that rule. Yeah. Because initially she would come home and want to talk about it. And I was like, I'm done. No. <laughs> but now I feel like it's, it's a lot better because we're working for ourselves towards the same goal. You know, we're not working to make a business, someone else's business successful. You know, we're working to make our business successful. And if we want to sleep in, we sleep in, you know, if, we want to start working at 12. We do that. If we want to go camping, we can whenever we want, you know, so that aspect, it's much better. And David, going back to your time at uh, the dealership and some of those early days too, what, what does it take to be a tech? Is there like some level of certification or education or is it just learn on the go? Well, there are a lot of classes that you can take to work towards a certification and they kept trying to get us our shop certified. Uh, we had a lot of techs that would start the process and never finish it, myself included, because there just wasn't time for me to set aside to, to do that. I have all the books. I've studied them. Um, I took a lot of classes at RV trade shows. Uh, the industry has made more opportunities available. I haven't really worried about getting certified since I left. Um, it's but there is there's a very big lack of RV technicians. Absolutely. So even where we worked, the turnover for technicians was horrible. Yeah. And getting technicians that were qualified to, you know, someone comes in and their refrigerator doesn't work or their AC doesn't work or these major appliances and not having a technician that could just, you know, be able to instantly figure it out was a constant problem. Most of what we learned was just on the job and, yeah. you know, figuring out and a lot of times you'd have the same issue over and over again so once you figured it out once or twice then the next time it happened you were just like oh that's what that is you know you you're just like yeah that's more than likely this is it well it seems like you have a lot of great insight from those days at the dealership um just kind of seeing rvs coming in and out what would you recommend or what do you think are some of the ways that people can um give their rv longevity People don't really understand um, you're supposed to inspect your roof seals every three to six months, you know, and it's printed in the owner's manual when you get your camper. But a lot of people don't know that. We didn't know that when we bought our first two campers, you know, we didn't know you're supposed to get up on the roof every six months and check the seals. And so you have, <laughs> yeah, you have, you know, a camper that's a year or two old even, and you have rotten front caps the rippling and the bubbling you see in the front caps you know that's that why. delamination yeah. That, yeah it's yeah. delamination from that front seal and our dealership was a keystone only dealership so okay. most of our knowledge on the newer units are going to be keystone we serviced 
every unit except pop-ups. We did not work on pop-ups <laughs> and we didn't do um, motorized either. So uh, it was only travel trailers and fifth wheels. Um, but yeah, maintenance is, is key. What does that mean? What does the maintenance mean? Sealing is probably the most important thing that we saw. Uh, like she said, if you're not sealing the roof, and the water starts getting in it's usually too late by the time you realize there's a big problem because it's been seeping through the walls it gets in the floor and by the time that wood gets soft or the the styrofoam or the glue on whatever it's made out of then you have a major issue but that was probably the biggest problem that we saw keeping it under a shelter seems to be something that really makes a camper last longer just because it's not in the elements and we've noticed that uh, when you have a camper that's out in the weather you know the decals start coming you know they start cracking uh, the tires dry rot faster the roof starts getting that that dusty chalky feeling to them you know but then you would see one that has been in a a shelter a garage or something and it comes in and it still looks brand new and it's you know six seven years old so i'd say that's probably a, a good thing if you can keep it in a shelter that that would be helpful and beneficial for somebody that doesn't doesn't understand what you mean by ceiling can you just just unpack that just a touch yeah so on the roof all of the openings that go through the rubber membrane so you have your ac which has a gasket around it but then you have your vents that open, you have your plumbing vents. Antenna. So anything that comes through that rubber membrane has to have a sealant around it. So where they attach something, it's gonna have screws. Uh, there's usually butyl tape between whatever that object is in the rubber, but it still needs a little bit more. So they put lap sealant around that. Uh, they seal around the, the gutter tracks where it overlaps the sides. And the mistake a lot of people make is they don't use the right sealant. So you so, can't go to Lowe's or Home Depot and yeah. buy a tube of weatherproof caulk and put it on your yeah. rubber roof. <laughs> uh, the silicone that you would get at Home Depot does not bond to that rubber very well. And I didn't know that when we first, like she said, we learned the hard way because we thought, oh, well, this, this says you can use to seal whatever. And I would put it up there. And I thought we were good. And then we'd have water in there. And when I started working at the dealership, I brought it up there. And one of the techs was like, I'll show you why it's leaking. And he took the edge of that silicone and just pulled up and the whole thing just peeled off like it wasn't even attached. And that was very eye opening to me. And so you have to use something that will bond to the rubber. Uh, the product that we always use there was made by Dicor but it's just a lap sealant that you, you put on with a caulk gun around all of those openings. But if you're up there and you see cracks developing in it, that's a good time to go ahead and touch it up. And you don't have to do every square inch of it. You just touch it up where you're needed. For some of our listeners who may not have ever even looked at their RV roof or an RV roof, what uh, David and Carrie are talking about is if you look at the top, you'll see kind of like this gummy caulk like it's very thick. It's not, it's usually not clean and pretty, even out of the factory. And it's just around all those, those areas where there would be an opening in, like they said, in, in the roof. When you're going about inspecting that, like you said, you're just, if it's, it's, if it's a rig that's not brand new out of the factory, you're just looking for just little cracks or little openings, little holes. And that, that's how you'd recommend touching that up. A lot of times you'll see screw heads start 
breaking through the surface of that or you'll see a crack develop kind of feathering kind of like dry rotted tires where it you'll starts see a little separating bit of, yeah and it's it's vital to touch that up very regularly uh, we recommend three to six just as the, the manufacturer warranties and pretty much all of them probably say that yeah going down the road you're it's not like a house your house sits here your camper goes down the road 70 80 miles an hour you hit a pothole things move you, you know guys drive so. fast. <laughs> <laughs> we have a 3500 yeah. it'll pull <laughs> but it's as our boss used to say it's like going down the road and having a little earthquake you know it's true and the way they build them is not necessarily the greatest standards anyway so it does require some maintenance just to keep it in good shape and that's probably the biggest thing that people neglect and i always hated seeing that because people have spent sometimes their life savings to get their dream camper and they don't understand that aspect of it and then all of a sudden they're having to repair it and it's only a year or two old mm. and that, that always broke our heart because it's devastating to people yeah. well another reason why people should inspect their roof is because those low-hanging tree branches you know you have a especially with fifth wheels they're so tall and you drive through a lot of state parks and those trees will rip holes you know right down the edge of your roof and if you don't get up there and look at it then you know a couple months after your trip you could have some major water damage yeah and people might look at you know purchasing something like dicor and be like oh my gosh this stuff is expensive but in the big picture it's definitely worth the investment oh, right? absolutely like, yeah because yeah you might be used to spending two two or three dollars for a tube of you know silicon or caulk or whatever but uh yeah like like you said that stuff doesn't hold up in this sort of situation no were you guys seeing a lot of um, RVs coming into the dealership that were not properly maintained? Pretty much most of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were we were thinking probably only about ten percent of, it, it's of the campers low. are properly maintained. Oh wow! Yeah, it's yeah. it's eye opening, you know, and that's that's something that's helped us as we've started this business because when we go to look yeah. for them, we know that there's problems with most of the campers, and I mean, some people are probably thinking, no, there's no way that there's that many, but we started thinking about it. Like how many came in that didn't have issues like that? And it's very, very few. And it's, it's why so many people are buying campers and they start renovating them and discover problems mm -hmm. that are hidden. And it's because people haven't caught all those issues. And sometimes, you can do your best and still miss something because it, it doesn't take much for water to find a way into the camper. But but that is probably the number one thing that, that happens to campers over long term is water damage. Carrie, you started to talk about sidewalls. So we so we kind of covered the roof here. What what are some of the other suspect areas? Um so where the roof folds over the transition on on the sidewalls, that area needs to be um caulked. We saw some brand new units at the dealership where the uh, factory did not screw the roof decking all the way down. And so the roof decking would pull up on the rubber, separate the trim that's on that metal transition on each side. Is that like the gutter area? Like that little yeah. track? Okay. Right. So below right. that, below that you're above. saying, or right above, above it? it, right above, right above it, it. Okay. above it. So it, the roof folds over and then the track sits on it like that. And then, so then right there, there will be, um, usually they use clear, 
clear non-sag dicor lap sealant um so that area if that cracks at all you've got water just going straight down the side wall to the floor um, and then the the metal transition where on the fiberglass campers where the roof the sorry the floor line meets right there that area also needs to be sealed on fifth wheels the bulkhead part so the part that kind of curves down like that that area has to stay sealed so it's it's basically anywhere where you see metal trim on the camper it has to be sealed yeah it's a little different on the sides than it is on the roof because uh, you can use silicone based product on the sides it does bond to the phylon um, but it's uh it's hit or miss we've had some products that weren't very good they didn't last very long uh, proflex is one that we do recommend we, we like using that but it's not the same stuff you would use on the roof, just to be clear on that. Yeah. So um, even on, on the units that have slide outs, so where the where the slide out gasket attaches to the sidewall and to the roof line, there's even sealant there as well. So even those areas have to be checked and sealed regularly. And the wine's going up and down and horizontal, both of those. Yes. And while she's mentioning slide out seals, that's another thing that can be a, a leak area you know if those seals are not making good contact if the slide outs out of adjustment or if the seals are weathered or if they're torn anything like that it's it's good to check those regularly just to make sure that it's sealing properly how would somebody assess that well a look for any physical damage and then another way is when the slide is all the way in if you go to the outside, you want to make sure you can't get your fingers in between the slide out fascia and the side of the camper. Um, you should have, you know, just enough to maybe get your fingertip, but not slide your whole hand in there because you want that compressed. You want the bulb seal to be squished to where it's not letting anything through. And then you can do the same thing when the slide is out on the inside. You want to make sure that there's not a gap between that seal and the wall. And if there is, then something is out of adjustment. And we see people that, that are living in them a lot of times, if that happens over time where it's out of adjustment and that water gets in, it will tend to rot the, the walls right next to the slide out or the floor around the corners. So if you start noticing that, that'd be the first place I would look uh, just to make sure that it is tight. That's one reason why we do recommend slide out toppers. So if you install a slide topper on top of your slide, it protects the roof of the, the slide out from like pine cones and pine needles. And people don't realize they have a slide out and they're camping in the woods and they get pine cones and then they pull the slide in and then that rips the the um, gasket right there. And so the water will just come in. So yeah, so, so you have two kinds of seals there. You have the wiper seal, which is the flap that kind of goes with the slide out, whether you're going in or out, and then the bulb seal, which is more rounded. So they each serve their own purpose, but they're both crucial to keeping water out. And we've found um, that the seal right around the slide floors too, on the, on the exterior, that mm -hmm. that little gap, especially in the corner on the sides, on a lot of units, that's where, you know, when we've inspected and we found water damage, is that, do you have any recommendations with that one? Or again, it's just a little bit of caulk. They're all a little different, so it 
in my opinion, it would be just a case by case. But yes, uh, you can use cochlear silicone uh, to seal that if it is a problem. Typically, um, though, I think that that comes from some people don't realize that you have to have the slide all the way in or all the way out. You know, if you mm -hmm. partially leave it in or out, rain's just going to come right in. <clears throat> so that, or if it's out of adjustment slightly, then that causes that. Just seems like there's this little, the ones that we've discovered, and one of them we worked on, and this is one of the reasons that we're personally, um, you know, a, a, a task to avoid water damage at all costs, but there's just like this little maybe half an inch or inch area right at the corner of the slide. Like usually even if it's um, like aluminum siding, it's fiberglass in this area. And it seems like there's just always this little tiny gap where just, like you said, just a little bit of water, maybe it's just wicking in just little by little, but you know, that stuff adds up, you know, two, three, five, ten 10 years. Yeah. And uh, before you know it, you have a rotten subfloor. That camper that we went to Indiana to look at, um, that we asked the guy, it was a 2011 so it wasn't you know too old but yeah. he said oh no no water damage no soft spots you know and so there we never get up, is yeah, yeah never. we get up there and the camper's sitting way up on a hill and they evidently hadn't used it for a couple of years and we he had pulled out all the slides and first thing i always do is go to the front and I'll open all the cabinets in the closets and we feel around up there and we make sure we don't see any. Usually if there's any water damage, you can also see little rusty drop marks down the walls mm -hmm. and things too. That's first and then the bubbling starts. So it looked good. Go in the bathroom, we lift up the mattress and all that front part looks good. And then we go into the main living room and I'm lifting up the carpet off the slide out floor, checking the first corner and it looks good. And then he was like, oh yeah, I did. I did find one soft spot on the rear of that slide. So I walked back there and I pushed my foot on it and I could have literally like put my whole fist through the floor. It was so oh, rotten. No. Yeah. And there was a wall separating that from the bunk room. And so we start feeling the wall next to that slide and it was rotten. So I went into the bunk room, that wall was rotten. The floor was rotten, walked to the end of the bunk. It was rotten there, the back wall, I lifted up the curtain and there was a hole in the wall and you could see black mold growing in it. And, oh my gosh. and then I looked around the edge of the fascia and that's where the, the mushroom was growing out of the side of it. <laughs> uh, we need to walk away. <laughs> Besides that, it was in good shape. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was great after that. Yeah. The, the funny thing was, is the, um, the phylon fiberglass was in excellent condition. So there was no DLAM on the phylon at all. Which is rare when you have that much yeah. water damage. Yeah. And you guys have this picture posted, right? I know April showed it to me. The I think, I think we put it in our stories. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. yeah, there literally is a full-grown mushroom <laughs> growing out of this RV. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. And he apparently didn't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. at that point, when we talked to people like that, I... We try to kind of try to educate them, you know, like right. this is this is not easy fix. You know, this is something that's going to require a lot of time. And we didn't want to invest that much time and money into fixing it, you know, at that price point anyway. And we tried to locate for him where the water was coming in so he could stop it. Uh, at that point, it was a little too far gone. But uh, I said, just for your reference, this is what we think is happening. <laughs> Was he nice uh, about it or in denial? Yeah, he he said he didn't know, and you know he may not have. So uh, he was he was cordial. We just said 
thanks for letting us look at it. Sorry to waste your time, but we're not interested. When we pass on a camper, you know, most of the time the people ask why, and I'll say, well, you know, for a lot of families, if they're just looking to get a camper and have it for a couple of years, you know, this one's probably going to serve their purpose. But, you know, for us, where we're going to be tearing things out and opening it up, um, you know, here's, here's these soft spots. And, you know, if we know about them, you know, we want to fix them and make them right. And I just don't know if that's a project at, at least, you know, at certain price points that, you know, that we want to take on. And, most people act like they have no clue, but the worst is, you know, especially like in your guys' case where you're driving hours and hours and hours when you get somewhere and somebody claims, you know, that a unit is in immaculate condition and then you find a mushroom growing out of the wall. That's got to drive you nuts. Yeah. And it, yeah. it happened right after that too with the next one we went and looked at. And we have found that some people will very strategically take pictures to not show things. You know, the next guy that, was down in Mississippi, we had that conversation with him. Said, listen, we just wasted a lot of time going to look at this. We just want to make sure that we don't run into the same thing. Right. And this this one was even worse as far as the outside the was outside. completely delimbed. You it couldn't was, tell in any of the pictures that it had an issue. And, but, and we asked him because I, I usually ask, there's a lot of questions that I ask when we're going to look, you know, does it have any delamination? Most people don't know what that is. So I say bubbled spots on the phylon. So um, water damage. What's which, phylon, Carrie? <laughs> the fiberglass, the fiberglass <laughs> okay. exterior. So, You're using some big words here. Yeah. So, and, and people, it's funny because we're on a lot of Facebook forums and people will say, oh, that's from heat or that's from this or that's and then it's no, that's water damage. You know, if you have a bubbled spot on the fiberglass, that's where water has seeped in and the backing from the fiberglass has come loose from the actual fiberglass. So that's what Which, causes the bubble. It, it's almost like cardboard that it's attached to. And when that gets wet, it starts you know, just curling up, which allows the, the separation and the bubbling on the outside. And once it starts doing that, it's very hard to repair. Uh, we've seen some yeah. kits and some some adhesives that you can put a syringe in, but it's not something that we want to tackle. Yeah, it's not point. something. Yeah. But well, and it still means there's an underlying issue. Yeah. There's a yes. reason that 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 yeah. became yes. delaminated. Absolutely. But yeah, we've literally had sellers tell us, "Oh, it just came out of the factory like that with the bubble." Yeah. There Hopefully are, not. <laughs> yeah, there are certain spots like um, on our fifth wheel, the the bulkhead, the, the part that goes under it, that you will see some bubbling under there just because there are no, there's nothing to glue it to. There's nothing to attach it to right there. So, A lot of times it's just the metal framing. And so they shoot screws into it and it, you might have rippling there. That's not necessarily water damage. So, And that's the part that goes over the truck bed? Correct. Like, so the underside, you might yeah. see that? Okay. Right. Once you know what you're looking for, a lot of times if they show an exterior picture online, mm -hmm. you know, you'll see it, you know, when we're flipping through marketplace or whatever, we'll be like, nope, <laughs> nope. Sometimes it just takes the right lighting, the right angle to see it. It may be minimal. So when we got to Mississippi and we were looking at it, we were like, how did we miss this? And we, we always zoom in, you know, the pictures and. We... Oh, it was, it was extremely bad. I got out of the truck. And my jaw dropped. I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> like you didn't even go inside. <laughs> well, we, we did. I, I said, we've driven this far. Let's take a look at it. But I was, I knew I wasn't going to buy it yeah. as soon as I saw it. The guy though, the owner, he'd only owned it for about a year and he bought it at a dealership and the dealership didn't tell him that was water damage. So honestly, I, 
I feel like he might not have known. Well, know. it was so bad in the bedroom that it was causing a crack in the sidewall. I figured while we're here, we'll go ahead and look at everything. And I went up on the roof and I was, I was kind of shocked how sturdy it was. It, I couldn't find rotten spots in the, the usual suspect corners along the lap seal or anything. And I was like, wow. Does he do dangerous that? things a lot, Carrie? Does he put himself in? <laughs> oh, he always goes on the roof. I, I pretty much always want to check out the roof. He sees an old rope bridge over a, <laughs> over a chasm. And... <laughs> yes. Let's get a selfie over here, babe. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm walking around the four corners and the sides and I, I'm thinking, wow, this is crazy. How can you have that much water damage? And I'm not finding soft spots up here. And there was this huge pile of pine needles right in the center behind the air conditioner. And I walked by it twice and I, I don't know what made me turn around, but I was like, what is under there? And I, I brushed it aside and that whole section of the roof, you could have fallen through if you put your hand on it. I said, oh, there it is. <laughs> Hidden by the pine needles. That's like, that's so strange that there's this pile right here. <laughs> I feel what a like, coincidence. I feel like he may have put that there just to hide it. But Yeah. Was, I try to think the best of people, yeah. but he was like, I don't, I don't know. We told him more than likely we're not going to buy it, uh, but we did. <laughs> more, than, more than likely. Yeah. We did send the pictures to our clients. I was like, I'll send the pictures to our clients and, and see what they say, you know, because at that point we were kind of getting desperate too, you know, but. Um, so not that desperate. Uh, there was that one in Kentucky too, that the whole inside ceiling was just sagging down and she was in denial. She said there was nothing wrong with it. And the floor, yeah, the floor was rotten, the whole ceiling. I took one step on the roof and had to walk backwards. I was. I was yeah, afraid I was started cracking. <laughs> Are all roofs walkable, like all all units? Not not officially, because I always go on them. But then I wonder, you know, are you supposed to supposed to be on all of these? Well, we inquired with Keystone because a lot of customers would ask us that. As technicians, all of them were walkable, but <laughs> there were some that made you feel like it could be compromising it. So uh, we reached out to Keystone. And they told us that if it has a ladder installed from the factory, we consider it to be walkable. Or if it's pre... Um... Or made to have one. Right. And, and so we kind of use that as a rule of thumb. And then I asked them, I said, so how are we supposed to maintain the roof if we're not allowed to walk on one? What, what's, the, what's the guideline there? And they said that you should take a sheet of plywood and lay it down so it spreads the weight over multiple roof trusses so if you were going to work on say replacing an ac or you had to work on some object that you couldn't reach from the side they would recommend laying out plywood so to answer your question not all of them are technically supposed to be walked on i've been on some roofs where you can definitely feel like okay here was here was one roof panel here's another roof panel there's a little bit of move you know like a little bit of movement is that is that an indication of damage to you or is that would, would you chalk that up as natural? A lot of them will flex under the weight of your steps. Um, if you feel them flexing, it's good to try to find where those roof trusses are and stay on those. But if you step on it and you hear crunching and it feels very spongy, that would indicate to me there's probably some water damage. So if, if you can step on it and it's not crackling, crunching, it's just, you know, flexing. That's generally normal, depending on the manufacturer. 
there's some that are so firm you can you can walk on no problem you don't hear the first thing and then there's some that even from new factory standards it has a lot of you know just bounce to it uh, flex a little bit of cracking if you step too hard but it's it's going to be pretty noticeable if it's damaged if you sit on it and it's just yeah, it's it's very noticeable in my opinion <laughs> in your inspection process so let's say you've identified that there isn't any you know obvious water damage um what, what are you guys looking for next appliances are a big one you want to make sure all of them work and if possible it, it's not always but we try to get them to turn the ac the uh the fridge things like that on so check the water system because if someone doesn't winterize it yeah. properly then that can cause a lot of damage yeah the first camper we bought it was um, the 2001 dutchman travel trailer our personal camper and 12 it, years ago <laughs> yeah, this, this is a long time i didn't really know anything about any of that it it had roof leaks it had hail damage it had i think the awning was messed up too if i recall but <laughs> The, uh, the water heater. We loved it though. Because <laughs> prior to that, prior to that, we were tent camping and bumming with our parents. So. We were proud of it. But the water heater had not been winterized properly. And so when we got it, we were trying to use the water heater and nothing was happening. And I opened up the compartment where it was and there's this gaping hole in the side of the tank. And said oh well there's our problem yeah. <laughs> it had just been bypassed and so we left it like that the whole time we just used the bathhouse anywhere we went and didn't well, we could still it. use the water just not hot water. yeah so yeah. we had no hope they hadn't drained it they hadn't like pulled the plug you would yeah. say and then yeah the, the tank ice, ice expanded yeah. okay and it exploded i mean it was huge but yeah. that's that's definitely something to look at uh, if somebody you're in the north so you probably are familiar with winterizations we've had uh, people from florida that moved up to tennessee that didn't know anything about winterizations because they never had to do it and it's it's definitely something that you can you can mess up easily if you don't know what you're doing toilet valve is usually the first thing to go we sold a lot of toilet valves at the dealership especially in march people didn't winterize right so the toilet valve would crack faucets crack the city water inlets if you don't push that in and get the antifreeze to come out that will crack outside showers people will forget about spraying that out um, and there's some people that will just blow the lines out which i've heard some people are very successful when we did it at the dealership it i don't know if the guys just weren't getting all of the water out but it would still seem like the toilet valve would bust every time when when they would do it that method so we pretty much started having a rule that you have to use antifreeze when we're doing our winterizations. It's kind of a headache if you have something like that break that's in a hard to reach area. And I don't particularly like doing plumbing. It's, it's probably one of my least favorite aspects of working on a camper. He loves it when I change I the, the double basin sinks out to single yeah. basins. And I like, know. you gotta replumb that drain, baby. <laughs> I know Derek's always like, are you sure you don't want to just leave the faucet in the sink that's in there? <laughs> they look so nice. Right. Yeah, but... He asked me on this one, how do you know they don't like uh, double basin sinks? <laughs> <laughs> like, please, I know. please ask them. No.
I think worse than that, though, is when you have a problem with the black tank valves. Um, and and where's that? Like where it, where you pull to empty it? Yeah, the the actual valve that allows the tank to empty it go into the pipes. When when you have something down there break or freeze, and that's a chore that I always hated. But we had a we had a saying at the the dealership that you're not really a tech until you get somebody else's poo on you. So <laughs> you, know, you know, we we worked on a lot of tanks there, and it was unpleasant. Have you found a good method? One one area that. Um... I always find fun is going between what is usually the half inch PEX tubing to, um, I forget what the compression fitting is for like residential faucets. Three do you have, do you have a good, do you have a good method for that one? We started using shark bite. Uh, so you can get it to where it slips on the PEX side and then it has the three eighths fitting on the other side. And as long as you have, we use the stainless braided hoses that connect to the sink and then connect to the yeah. shark bite. Most of the faucets we buy come with those. So, so we only have to buy the shark bite. And so it's about that's, $10. Yeah, that's actually been what made it easy. The first couple, I was scratching my head. I was like, I don't know how we're going to make this work. And then we started using the shark bites, and every one of them has been a breeze since then. And they have a they have a valve on them, too, which is nice. So, like, if someone doesn't winterize properly in the faucet bus, we had that yeah, happen to us. Yeah. <laughs> you just switch it, and then you can still use everything else in the camper. So, What are some um, other upgrades you guys have done to some of your renovations? Not necessarily, like, interiorly. Um, but yeah. Like the systems. Yeah. yeah. Well, we usually always replace the old crank-up antennas. Um, with a King um, a HD, HD. Dig, yeah, digital antenna. Uh, originally, we did it because I didn't want someone renting a camper and then driving down the road with the antenna up still. We we did that a couple times on our personal camper. <laughs> Usually, you have people running through the campground chasing you. Hey, you got, a, you got something up there, you know. You guys did a tankless water heater not too long ago, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, did, we did one in the Cougar. That was the first renovation. And they were going to be living in it full time. And they said, we, we love long, hot showers. Is there anything we can do? And so we talked to them about that. And they said, yes, that's definitely something we want. It took a little bit of extra effort to get it in there. But once we did, it worked out great. But the yes. second installation we did was in the Jayco renovation. And that one was so easy because... <laughs> On the outside, it was it was about eye level, so it was easy to, to get to. And then on the inside, it had its own cabinet. The door opened up, and you have full access to the back of it. That's about as simple as it's going to get, because you have you have plumbing, you have electric, and you have the LP systems. So sometimes getting to those can be a real challenge. And where they put some of those water heaters are extremely difficult to get into whether it's under a fridge or behind a kitchen cabinet where you have multiple dividers. Sometimes it's under a bunk bed or it, it could be anywhere and just depends on the layout. So, so this was a, a dream come true to be able to just open a cabinet, make all of my uh, connections right there. So if, if you want to know a little bit about that installation process, uh, what I, start with is just disconnecting everything and then you know cutting around the the seal on the outside and pulling it out 
and then kind of figuring out where the, the new connections need to be because the water and the pecs, you know, they're pretty firm where they're installed from the factory and on the tankless, they are in a different spot. So I do have to usually cut those and add, I usually add the, the braided hoses back there too, just so you have flexibility. And the shark bites. And the shark bites. So, so that helps with that connection. And then if your original water heater has electric heating elements, uh, you want to disconnect the 110. So make sure the power's off, you disconnect that. And what I did in the Jayco was use that just to add a plug on the other side of the wall there. It so, worked out great because they wanted a plug for their coffee maker and that was right there on the other side of the wall from the water heaters. <laughs> so you can repurpose that since it's on its own breaker. It's, it's nice, but uh, on the Cougar, I didn't really have a good spot for it. So I just disconnected it and, and left it in there in the cabinet. But you, you, you generally will have either an LP water heater or an LP and electric. So that's only going to be if you have the electric element. Now you have the 12 volt side, which controls the board on the water heater. So you do tap into that. So depending on the model, you have to do a little research of knowing which wire does what when you hook up the new one. That's probably the trickiest part is just making sure you, you get that right. Uh, but it's, it's generally not hard to find that model and figure out what wire does what. So uh, you got, you know, Suburban, you have the Atwood. Um, so, I mean, it, there are a couple of variations there, but then the LP usually has the fairly stiff LP copper lining. You can generally just manipulate that to where it needs to hook up. It's not generally going to be too far from where it originally was. And then once you have that, you can kind of test fit it. On the Jayco, I had to add a wooden brace because the original water heater was larger than the Gerard. And there's instructions that come with it of what you need to do for that. So but you have to make sure you order the right door. So the Gerard's the the water heater itself is sold separately from the door for the outside. And the door for the outside is going to be different if you have an Atwood 6-gallon, 10-gallon, 12-gallon, or a Suburban 6-gallon, 10-gallon, 12-gallon. So make sure that you order the right door. Yeah. So they sell that separately just for that reason because there is a variety to choose from on that. Uh, then the other thing that's a little different is that it has its own control panel that you can adjust the temperature, you can turn it on or off. And at the dealership, some of the people would want that exactly where the rest of all the switches are. So it would require actually routing the 12 volt wire. That can be a challenge just depending on where all of that is. In the Cougar, I installed it under their kitchen cabinet, but they also had it wired to a switch on the monitor panel. So they could turn it off in either, you know, they could do it here or under the cabinet if they wanted. So it remained easy. They could just change the temperature if they wanted uh, under the cabinet. But on the Jayco, I left it in that cabinet where the back of the water heater is. Easy access. So that's, that's really up to the individual where they would want that, whether or not that's going to add to the install time. Uh, personally, I, it's, it's about that big. I don't really want that highly visible. In, in my opinion, it's better to just keep that hidden because it also has lights that stay on. So, And then they can take as long as showers as they want? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's nice. We, we're getting one this camping yeah. season. <laughs> about about how much are those replacement units? Uh, it's about six fifty seven hundred dollars. Yeah. It's funny because we've sold three campers to people that have never even camped before. And so they don't realize, you know, that your hot water heater is six gallons. So you they don't know a military shower. No, right. they, they don't know that you can't just get in there and take a 20 minute shower. Yeah. You know, five minutes in your hot water's out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's like that's one thing. If you're going to be living in a camper, I would definitely recommend. This is a upgrade that you could do to just about every RV. I think so. I haven't. I haven't run into one that. Uh, would have any reason to suspect you couldn't because they had to install the original so there was obviously access it may not be easy to get to it may be a rather challenging install but yeah i think you could do it to just about anything so i know there are some different ones that you can install in addition to the one that's in there i yeah. i'm We've still seen... kind of researching that but yeah, we've seen some that like you hang, you know, on next to the shower or something, and they're cheaper. But well, there's there's most... also some that are in line with the plumbing, either before or after. I think it's before the original water heater. It kind of preheats it, but it keeps a flow going of hot water into it, so it doesn't have to work as hard. But it also gives you unlimited, and you can install that permanently somewhere. You guys alluded to you're in the middle of a client build right now. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? We were looking for that very specific RV yeah. and we finally found it. So, so far we're finished with the demo and we're almost finished with the rebuild part. So were there any surprises in the demo stage or did you, did you identify any issues? Um, there was a minimal. Um... Yeah, we did find one water damage spot that we missed. Um, it's not bad. We're going to have to replace a section of wall panel about this big so it's not bad um, but we we kind of expect that even as thorough as we are you know if you're buying a camper which most of the ones we seem to buy are 2010 2013 range you know in, in our budget um, we expect to find some water damage when we start ripping everything out yeah and there sometimes like the jayco that we bought we we did see some rippling in the front cabinets. It ended up being a little bit more severe than we expected. And at that time, I don't think we had the moisture meter, but that one ended up being a little bit more extensive work than we had planned, but we could tell there was just a little bit. And by the time we got home, we took all the cabinets out and started taking the wall panels down. We pretty much had to rebuild the two front corners on that one. So sometimes there's surprises like that, that, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we had an inkling that there would be something, but it, <laughs> it was a little bit worse little than bigger. we thought. This one, we didn't have that kind of surprise, no. thankfully. Yeah, so yeah we, were, we were very pleasantly yeah. uh, surprised when we ripped all the carpet up. Like, <laughs> like yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we, this unit has the double, double slides in the bunk room. So we are dividing the bunk room in half a little bit bunk area is going to be a little bit bigger than a half and so we've walled off an office space so the one side when it comes in will just it will be the office space and in order to do that there was only the ac vent was only on one side so we had to add a ductwork, add another ac vent um, built the wall 
it's going to have a, a sliding pocket door that separates that. And in order for the pocket door to hit a wall, we had to move the door into the bunk area over three and a half inches. So we had to add some two by twos and cut the two by twos on the other side, rebuild that. Um, we rebuilt the whole entertainment wall. It had this weird built in thing and ripped that out, framed in for a fireplace. It also had the curved radius walls that a lot of campers have and I didn't like that, so we, we squared that off. Um, the client wanted, the bathroom had double sliding doors, one going into the bedroom and one going into the hallway. And in order to make that more private, they wanted to wall off the one that was going into the bedroom. So we removed that sliding door. That's actually the door we're using in the office and walled that, that bathroom part up. Um, the door, it didn't have a door going into the bedroom. It only had that accordion curtain. So we framed in to actually add a door, physical door on hinges going into the bedroom. And then the, um, the upper kitchen cabinets it had that weird, has the L-shaped cabinets, um, countertops. And then it had the weird L-shaped cabinet up top that kind of like divides the room. And I didn't like that either. But the, the whole main control panel was in that upper cabinet. Of so course. <laughs> yesterday, we spent the day rebuilding that cabinet just to house the control panel. And then we're going to have open shelves above the sink. So we spent about a week rebuilding everything. We're almost to the part of prepping for paint and, and um, getting our primer on. <laughs> Sorry. I think this one is going to be... The one she falls in love with when she's done because it's more of her ability to design the space and be more creative not just you know i'm going to decorate it like this i'm going to paint it like this this is more about what she's able to transform something into which is it's her real passion i think <laughs> she's wanted to do that with the others but the spaces were a little more limited and I call him sometimes the sayer of nay, because I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. You know? I was like, nope. He's like, no, that, we're not going to do that. I'm like, yes, no. we are. <laughs> no, I, I've come around to, to trusting your judgment on everything. So uh, I think it's our relationship is developing before everyone's very eyes. <laughs> so I try to temper her expectations, and she's the dreamer that, that puts them high. And, and somehow we, we managed to find that medium that, that makes it work. You keep pushing each other forward. I think we're our, our own biggest supporters. So, you know, we mesh well in that regard. And she can, she can visualize what she wants to do with the space. I'm one of those people that I want to see a picture of it first. I want to, I want to know how it's going to look before we make it look like that. And that's not possible in most of the renovations. So... You know, she's got her ideas in her head and she'll tell me something and it doesn't quite make sense to me because I'm not visualizing it the way she is. And then as things start to progress and she gets that plan in motion, I start seeing it come alive. And that's when I start getting excited about it. And it's like, you know, let's let's get this done. This is this is nice. I like this. <laughs> so. so does the, is the client involved in this design process with this one? 
she likes my my style and taste so that's nice because this is the first one that we're doing for a client so i was kind of nervous you know um but she likes the farmhouse kind of modern farmhouse theme which is what our first renovation was that i fell in love with um so i've been kind of just sending her the like the sinks and the paint colors and you know that kind of thing and she's like oh yes love it love it you know so um i'm not as concerned that she's going to hate it because she seems to like everything that i've suggested <laughs> yeah, before we make any major changes we do reach out to them and just make sure they're okay with the idea and they've given some feedback on certain things that they like or dislike or request uh, one thing that they've uh, asked us to do is go ahead and install the washer and dryer combo so that's that's something we're going to be working on soon so that's another upgrade that you know if you have the capabilities in a layout to have this one already has the hookups in yeah the, i forgot the to mention closet. that was one of their requests was washer dryer hookups yes so, and so we were first we were kind of looking at taking a unit that had a bath and a half and changing over the half bath to a laundry room i wasn't excited about that idea <laughs> I was like, you can do it. We can do this. I know we can. <laughs> yeah. So that's sometimes we've had uh travel trailers for sale and they're like 25 feet long and we'll get, you know, inquiries and people will be like, is there a washer and dryer in this? <laughs> no. Yeah. So what's next for revamping camping? You guys have this client build and then did you say you have another client build coming up as well? We do. Yeah. Um, another customer. They bought a little Jayco. It's one of the ones that has a rear slide with a king bed in it. So oh, it's a yeah. smaller, it's a little 22 foot travel trailer. And then the king bed slides out of the back. Um, and so her style is more um, gold and modern. And so that one will be probably a little bit harder for me because it's not something that I'm as into as that one. Um, but I'm excited to try something different. The other thing that the current renovation has going uh, it's a Wii Boost. Yeah. It's a Wi-Fi booster. And we haven't installed one of those yet. So I'm kind of anxious to get my hands on this and try it out. But um, they are going to be working out of the camper on the road. So they wanted something to make sure that they had the, the proper signal for their equipment. And so he's got that ordered. He's sending it to us. And so you'll probably be seeing some pictures of that soon. But. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a question that we get quite a bit where people are asking how you boost the Wi-Fi. So I will test this one out and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Look for it on Instagram. It'll be yeah. trial and error for sure. Posted. <laughs> and then just as kind of a general question about RV renovation, putting you on the spot, is there what's the best tool that, so, that someone can have or that, that you found you know, to have, have in your, uh, your toolbox to use for renovation. Well, we kind of disagree on this, yeah. but <laughs> I, I like tools. So like for me, most women like jewelry or shoes or makeup. I like tools, <laughs> so it's too hard to pick one. Um, but my, my favorite two tools probably that I use all the time. And I meant to bring them in here is, uh, I have a side cutters. They're like a crescent plier wire cutters for pulling staples and, and then my pry bar, a little silver pry bar that's about this big that I lost it for like a couple of weeks and I went to Lowe's and bought a different brand and I hated it. And then I found my silver one and I was so happy. But I use my impact for pretty much everything. So from demo, you know, you're taking stuff apart. You have those little number two square bit screws everywhere. 
I use it constantly for that. If I'm fixing something, I'm using it to take something apart, put it back together. When we're building, I'm using it. So I've, I've got so many hours with that in my hand. <laughs> I'd say that's probably my most valuable tool. Yeah. And then he had to buy me my own because we were constantly fighting over his. Yeah. So when we started this, she didn't have a, a big collection of tools and now she's probably got more than me. So, well, we had some, but they were not quality tools, you know? So like when you first get married and you're like, oh, I need a, um, jigsaw so we bought a $30 black and decker jigsaw and you're trying to cut out one inch material to cut a sink out your little $30 black and decker jigsaw does not work very well so yeah <laughs> that is something that we have discovered that sometimes it pays to have a higher quality tool to do the job because you get a better finished product so we have started doing a little more research on the tools before we buy them I do love my table saw. I use yeah. my table saw probably every day. And before I had it, I just used my circular saw. And so I had to make a jig for cutting out shiplap. So I made a little jig that you could sit the circular saw and run it down and it would cut, you know, straight, even. Just clamp it to the board and then run the yeah. saw in a straight so line. So it worked. I used it for the first two renovations and it worked great, but it's a little labor intensive. It was though. very time consuming because you have to measure and clamp every six inches, you know, whereas a table saw, you set it to six inches and you just rip it through there. Well, and I think too, that's just a good demonstration of, um, you know, you can do projects, you know, and begin with what you have. And then as you get into this more, you get into any kind of, you know, DIY projects whatsoever, you kind of figure out, hey, there might be a better way to do this and you can upgrade as you go along, but you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't let like the obstacles of not being able to go out and buy $4,000 worth of, you know, tools kind of stand in your way and, and trying to do something. When we decided, okay, we're going to do this as a business, then it's like, okay, our time is worth more money than the time it's taking us to do this. So mm -hmm. we've invested in a lot of tools in the last 12, 18 months. And yeah. <laughs> April reminds me of this. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have to talk him into it. Yeah. But like it. you said, like, you know, I had, you know, kind of those cheap tools for a whole lot of years. And I even knew when I was doing some, you know, the projects we do around the house or whatever, I'd always be saying, gosh, I know this would be so much easier, you know, if I just had a table saw or, yeah. you know, what it is. And now it's nice to, to experience that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely nice to have the right tool when you need it. Guys, this has been amazing. I feel like we could keep talking and talking and talking. You guys are such a wealth of information. Um, you know, we definitely got to try to do this again at some yeah. point because I feel like we did not even scratch the surface <laughs> with the yeah. amount of things you knew. I had probably 18 follow-up questions to everything you were saying, but I oh, knew no. that in the, in the, I knew in the interest of time, I had to pull back the reins. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and uh, you know we enjoyed following you guys, and look forward to you guys sharing yeah. you know more more of this information and these upgrades because you, you guys know a lot of things that a lot of people who are doing this you know just they haven't experienced because you know they they didn't have that background like you do of you know being on a dealership end or the service end, and you know that's just a wealth wealth of knowledge there. So yeah. we appreciate your time. Well, we're happy to share. You know, one thing that that we appreciate is. You know, obviously we didn't know what we were doing when we started and we had to learn on the go by making mistakes. We learned from other people. And that's one thing about this community that we love is people are willing to share that knowledge. It's not top secret, you know, right. everybody's got a different experience too. So, 
you know, we love networking with people and learning different things and we love to share it too. So, you know, we're willing to answer questions. We're willing to, you know, impart what knowledge we have, even if it's, you know, limited <laughs> to, to our experience, yeah. but, <laughs> but no, it's, it's great. I love what you're doing, you know, being able to, to give a platform to that. For people, Thank so. you. Well, if people want to reach out to you guys at Revamping Camping, where can they find you? Instagram at Revamping Camping. We're on Facebook as well. And then we have a website, revampingcamping.com. Well, thanks again, guys. And we look forward to hopefully talking to you again soon. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.